So uh, this morning, we're going to uh, look at Jeremiah, our passage in Jeremiah, uh, chapter 33, uh, verses 14 through 16. And so if you have your Bibles and you'll come there with me, that would be great. So Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16, and let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we pray, Lord, that you would draw our hearts to Christ this morning and that you would equip us to be lights in our world today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's a set of notes that uh, are published online. Uh, You're welcome to grab a hold of one of those if you have an electronic device. But uh, today is the first Sunday of Advent. And when we look at the word Advent, it simply means coming, that Someone has come. And when we refer to Christ, we refer to Christ's two advents, his first advent and his second advent. And when we refer to his first advent, obviously we're talking about the incarnation, that he's come uh, as a babe, uh, born of a virgin, Mary. And he, when he came in the first advent, he ushered in... Uh, the kingdom of God in his coming in a new and powerful way. And he fulfilled many of the promises uh, of the Old Testament. And the context of Jeremiah 33, this morning we're going to find out that Jeremiah um, prophesied long ago about the coming Messiah, uh, the branch he's often referred to, And we see the fulfillment of that uh, in his first advent. The second advent that we refer to about Christ refers to what? Can anybody help me out here? Someone just tentatively said, his second coming, yes. Yeah, it's called the, if you looked at Titus chapter 2, it's called the blessed. All you guys are going to come to the 830 and learn how to participate. So it's called the blessed... Oh, let's try this again. Let's, how can we do this? What, oh, here we go. <laughs> the answer is always on the board. Okay, let's, let's try this. We'll try this one more time. So the first advent, Jesus comes as a babe and ushers in the kingdom of God and uh, lives a perfect life and... Uh, gives his life as a sacrifice, and on the third day he rises again. And then we're waiting for his second advent, and that's called the blessed... Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. And so when we look at first and second advent, and and we'll look at Jeremiah 33 in a minute, it really has to do with hope. Is that the children of Israel were in a very difficult place, And the prophet comes and gives them what? Hope. They lived in the hope of the coming Messiah that would rescue them. And so when we work towards application for the text today, the text is designed not only to bring the children of Israel hope, but the text is designed and the application of the text is designed to bring us hope. We live in kind of a similar place 
as the Old Testament saints lived in, is that they were waiting for the first advent in hope, and we wait for the second advent in hope. And that hope is an assurance in our heart that we appropriate by faith that the things that we're facing today, God is bigger than those things. He's sovereign, and he's in control of our life. So when we look at this text in Jeremiah, every text has um, a historical context. So every text is set in a time and place. And when we understand the time and place, then we can understand what the message is. And the message that Jeremiah is trying to give to the people of Israel is what? Hope. And so when we look at Jeremiah, we could summarize all of Jeremiah in two verses. So if you're in 33 with me, uh, come with me to the first verse as we summarize the entire message of Jeremiah. We could start with uh, chapter 9, verse 25. So everybody there? Jeremiah 9, 25. Jeremiah writes this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. And then he talks about the nations. And then he comes down to the end of 26. And he says, And all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. Meaning that they confess with their mouth certain things, but they don't believe where? All the answers are in the text. They don't believe in the heart. When we look at this verse, what we see is the first thing that Jeremiah wants us to understand is that there is a penalty for sin, and it's judgment, and that in God's justice, he punishes sin. Another th thing that we can look at from this verse here is thematically in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah uses two phrases in verse 25. He says, Behold, the days are coming. If you were to read through Jeremiah, you would see that 22 times Jeremiah will begin a paragraph with these very same words. Behold, the days are coming. And the second phrase that you see in verse 25 is declares the Lord. So in behold, used 22 times, declares the Lord is used 170 times. So what's Jeremiah trying to say to us through this first verse that we're looking at? So I said that there's two verses that summarize all of Jeremiah. The first is God punishes sin. And when we look at his introduction in verse 25, those two phrases... Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. It's kind of could be expressed like this. God's word says it. I believe it. And what's the third part of that? So be it, so be it or that settles it. That's correct. Very good. And so what Jeremiah is saying to the people is take note. Because God is trying to communicate something to you. 
So have faith in it and let that settle your heart. What did their hearts need to be settled? That's the second verse that would summarize all of Jeremiah. Come with me to Jeremiah chapter 30. And then we're going to kind of develop our text a little bit. Jer Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 31. That was a test. Uh, how about verse 17? So Jeremiah 30, verse 17. For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declare the Lord. Look at 31, verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from afar away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Look at 31, verse 17. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. And so Jeremiah, two phrases that summarize all that Jeremiah is trying to tell us is the first phrase is this, God will judge sin. And what's the second phrase that Jeremiah, or the second verse that summarizes all of Jeremiah, is that God is faithful and merciful to restore his people to their standing and heal their broken heart. And so when we look at Jeremiah, it's very repetitive. Every chapter or every three chapters repeats the same themes over and over again. God will judge sin, but God is merciful and he will exercise grace and mercy and restore God's people. What's the application to us? Is that God will judge sin, but he is merciful, and that he sent us his son, and that as we express faith in Jesus Christ, he does what? He heals our sin, he heals our brokenness, he restores us. And so over and over again, you can get lost in Jeremiah, but to always come back to these two things. God is just and holy. He'll judge sin, but he's merciful and gracious, and he'll forgive sins because of his grace towards his people. Let me illustrate this uh, for those Bible scholars in my midst. If you were to consider Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah chapter 25 speaks of the coming Babylonian invasion. So in 586, the Babylonians came and took the people of Israel captive and brought them to Babylon. Jeremiah's first thing, God judges sin. When you come to Jeremiah chapter 29, you see the other side of the coin. God is merciful, God is just, and God will restore. Come with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 for a minute and see the balance that Jeremiah brings to this justice of God and his judgment over sin. So we're at Jeremiah 29. Look at verse 10. 
For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you what? Bring you back to this place. And we can see the temple uh, restoration through the ministry of Zerubbabel. And we can see it through the book of Nehemiah that God was faithful to bring the people back from captivity and replant them in the land. Now look at verse 11. Verse 11 and 12 and 13, these we love. We love these verses because it speaks of the grace and mercy of God to restore. Take a look at verse 11 with me this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a, say it with me, a future and a what? A hope. Future and a hope. The application for us is that no matter what you've been through in your life, no matter what degree of brokenness that you've experienced, even if you've walked a sinful life for your entire life, when you come to Christ, He forgives your sins, He restores you, and he gives you a future and a hope that you could never dream in, in your entire mind and heart and soul because he's a good and merciful God. The children of Israel, they were in dire straits. They were brought into captivity in Babylon. If you want to know what that looks like, Consider the 8th of November and what Hamas did to the people of Israel. They murdered them, butchered them, took babies and children and took them into captivity. That is a picture of what the Babylonians did to the children of Israel. They used fish hooks into their, into their cheeks to drag them away to captivity. And in the midst of that, the prophet comes and says, I have a future and I have a hope and you can count on it because God is faithful to his covenant. The people of, people of Israel were wondering where is God in the midst of this turmoil? And the prophet comes alongside them, says, God is just, but he's not forgotten you, and he's good to his promise and good to his covenant. The people in Jeremiah's day, they were looking forward to the first advent. We stand in this place here. We, we look forward to this, his second advent, when the clouds will break open, the trump will so sound, the dead that are in Christ will be risen from the dead, caught up to meet him in the air. And those of us that are alive, 1 Thessalonians 4, those that are alive will be caught up to meet him into the, into the air. Say amen to that. Amen. 
Well, that depends on your eschatology. Now, if you don't happen to believe that, you just might be sitting here. And all of, all of us that are, you know, pre-trib guys, in, we're going to say, what are we going to say to them? See ya. See ya. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching, there's lots of guys on TV now that are running ads and all of that about pre-trib rapture of the church. But Advent is being ready. That's what, that's what it refers to. Are you ready? I don't care about what your eschatology is. Because when the trump sounds, God's not going to be checking your systematic theology. You know what God's going to be looking at? Do you have a heart? If we go back to Jeremiah chapter 9, they came under the judgment of God. Why? Because they had bad theology or did they have a bad heart? They had a bad heart. So the message of Advent is, are you ready? I've done too many funerals over the last many years. I was at one on Friday. He was 71. We did one, you know, a few months ago for our dear brother Don. He was 69. You know, you guys check the Social Security actuarial tables. And you say, oh, yeah, I'm good, to, I'm good to 84. Really? Really? Are you ready? Is your heart in the right place? Because that's where Jeremiah wanted to bring the people. He wanted to bring them to the place where they would have hope and trust in a good God who would intervene in their lives and they could trust him because he was faithful to his covenant. Our text this morning is in chapter 33. It's just a few verses. Come there with me. In verse 14, 15, and 16, they kind of bring it all together. One of my mentors, people that I looked at his ministry and inspired to, Chuck Smith, um, he, on Sunday nights, he would take, he would go through Jeremiah, and you know how many chapters he would do on a Sunday night? Like 10 chapters. Like I think he had the people there till midnight. And then he'd come on Sunday and do three verses, bring it all together. These three verses not only speak to the children that were living in Jerusalem, but they speak to us today. Because Advent is about, are you ready? Do you, do you know that on Christ's first advent, the only people that didn't miss it were the, the majority. They were the street people, the homeless, the ones that were like treated like dirt. They were these like ragamuffin shepherds. They didn't miss it. But the religious leaders of the day, they missed it. The people that were 
that studied the Bible missed it because their hearts weren't ready. Take a look at this text with me. There's three verses we're going to look at. Let me read it. It says, Behold, the days are coming. How many times does Jeremiah use that phrase in his book? 23. That's good. That's close. That would be like an A minus when I was teaching Bible. The days are coming, declares the Lord. How many times is that used? 171. I think I said 170. That's still an A minus. What is... What is Jeremiah trying to say to us? He's trying to say to us that, that, that God has spoken, and I believe it, so that settles it. Back to the text. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. There's three little truths that Jeremiah is trying to impart to the people. The first is, is to recognize that the source of our hope and the source of our promises is the Lord himself. And because of that, his promises are trustworthy. And so when we look at the book of Jeremiah and look at all the promises that were made to Israel, the nation will be restored from captivity, the righteous branch of David will be ruling, the nation will be experiencing peace and prosperity, the new covenant with its cleansing from sin will be in effect. The city of Jerusalem will be rebuilt as a holy city. All of those things that Jeremiah promised have found their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. All of those things that Jeremiah imparted to the people to have hope in find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The second thing that we can see from our text is to recognize that the Messiah is the person of the promise. And so when Jeremiah speaks that the Messiah will be the spring of living water, what does Jesus say about himself in John chapter 14? He's talking to the woman at the well. He says, I am what? The, the living water. He's offering the woman at the well living water. When we look at Jeremiah 23.4 and 31.10, where Jeremiah says that the Messiah is the good shepherd, and we look at John 10, who do we see as the fulfillment of the good shepherd? Jesus Christ. When we look at the righteous branch and look at John chapter 15, Jesus is the righteous branch. When we look at the Redeemer, Jesus is our Redeemer. Look at the Lord, our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. When we look at David as a king, Jesus is the king of kings. When we look at the agent of the new covenant, Jesus has brought the new covenant to him, to, to us. And so all throughout the book of Jeremiah, you see these promises about the coming Messiah, 
And in the New Testament, you find what? The fulfillment. And so when Jeremiah speaks to the people and he says, Behold, the days are coming, 22 times, declares the Lord 170 times, what should be our attitude about his second coming? Are you ready? Are you ready today if the trump should sound? The last little thing that we can see is to recognize the need to appropriate God's promises. That's in verse 16. In those days, Judah will be saved, and this is the time the Lord is our righteousness. Now, when we look at Jeremiah, he had a great way of saying, illustrating this in real time. Jeremiah is in prison. Babylon, the Babylonian army is occupying Jerusalem, and Jeremiah goes, a relative has a debt on, on a piece of property, and Jeremiah goes, and he pays off the debt for the property, even though it is occupied by the Babylonian army. What's the truth there? The truth is God will come in his time and restore the land to the people of Israel. Now, what's the problem with all of this? Has the children of Israel ever lived in complete peace and harmony according to these scriptures. What happened in May of 1948? Israel became a nation. Some of the land was restored. But what's the problem with that? Not all the land has been restored. What are the implications for that? Well, the implications are, are you ready for his second coming? Because when you look at his second coming, he comes as, as king of kings and lord of lords to establish his millennial reign on the earth. And where is the center of his millennial reign on earth? Jerusalem. And so when Jeremiah talks about Jerusalem as the city in reference to the righteousness of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus Christ's first advent or his second advent? Second advent. When you look at the parallels of promise and fulfillment, Jeremiah makes promises about the coming of the Messiah on his first advent. Are those promises fulfilled in the New Testament when we look at the ministry of Jesus Christ? Yes, they are. Behold, here we go. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. So here's the question. We all feel quite safe in saying that Jesus Christ came the first time. Were the people ready? They weren't. There's promises in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians, that I think it says that in the twinkling of an eye, are you ready? Advent is not 
a Hallmark movie. Advent speaks, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. In the twinkling of an eye, those who are dead will be caught up to meet him in the air. Those that are alive, caught up there is that word for rapture, they'll be caught up in, to be with him in the air, and Christ will establish his millennial rule. God is not finished with his redemptive plan for Israel. We can read that in Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 11. But the message of Advent is simply this. Are you ready? Do you have the blessed hope in your heart so that if Christ would come today, you would be found in his presence? To repeat, the Lord is not going to have Let me repeat that. The Lord is not going to screen you based upon your systematic theology. The Lord is going to look at your heart and see if you've been found as a believer and following after Jesus Christ with all your heart. So are you ready? On Friday, I was at a funeral. The guy was 71. He wasn't ready. There was no mention of eternal life. There was no mention of hope eternal. There was simply sadness. Are you ready? For that is the message of Advent. Amen? Let's prepare our hearts to uh, receive uh, the Lord's table this morning. I'll ask Ben to come. If you're new with us, um, we have some uh, communion uh, uh, cup, juice. I'm not sure. What did they describe them? Settings. settings. Communion settings. If you need one, Alex will gladly give you one.
Lord, we thank you for this table this morning. We do this in remembrance of you. We remember what you have done for us. We do it as, as often as we gather together because we nurture our hearts in the hope that you'll come again to take those that have expressed faith in Christ to be with you and to live forever in heaven with Christ. And so, Lord, we remember this little babe in the manger, the Lamb of God, gave his life for us, rose again on the third day. But, Lord, we also remember that your second coming is just as sure that when you'll come on a mighty white horse, you'll come to establish your millennial kingdom on earth. And so, Lord, we live between those two promises, your first coming and second coming. And so as we remember Christ this morning, may hope arise in our heart to trust you and to have confidence in your good providences in your good hand upon our hearts. We thank you for Christ and his saving work in our life. May it strengthen us and may it give us hope and courage and joy as we wait for your second coming. We thank you for Jesus by taking this bread and breaking it. We remember you. Let's eat together. By taking this cup, we recognize that we have right standing before God, not because of our works, but because of your work, your grace. We're forgiven because of the work of Christ. Let's drink together. And Lord, we lift up our prayers to you this morning and Lord, we pray, Lord, that we'd not be lukewarm. That we'd not look at the actuarial tables and say, hey, we've got at least another 30, 30 years. Lord, help us to live each day in a way that glorifies Christ. But Lord, help us to live each moment where we, we love, our, love our spouse, that we love our children. Help us to love our neighbors today, Lord, but tomorrow's in your hands. But help us not to be lukewarm. But help us to have a passion and a vibrancy for Christ. And Lord, give us courage and joy to live this life knowing that we're secure in Christ. That our future has been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ himself. And so therefore we stand strong in hope and strong in courage 
and choose to live life with joy and happiness, knowing that our eternal home is secure in you, Lord. Finally, Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to give our lives fully to you, that we would live a life that brings you glory and that brings us that inner joy and that inner hope that sustains us through all of life's ups and downs, Lord, I pray. Bless us this day, O Lord, as we go forth from from this place. May we go forth with a, a renewed passion to love you, Jesus, and to love people, I pray. You can say amen to that. Would you join me? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Would you stand? If you've been watching with us online, thanks for being with us um, this morning. If we can help you and you like to connect with us, just give us a call and we'd be glad to, to come alongside you and pray for you and encourage you. But uh, would you stand and Ben and the team's going to close us out this morning.